This is the Design Spark Podcast. Yes, that's right. The Design Spark Podcast. Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, and Harriet Brain. We are the presenters, so you'll be entertained as we talk about tech and we have a good laugh about the past and the present and the future and stuff. This is the Design Spark Podcast. Welcome to the Design Spark podcast, where we explore the past, present, and future of some of the hottest topics in tech. I'm Dr. Lucy Rogers, the inventor with a sense of fun. I'm Beck Hill, the stand up with a sense of pun. <laughs> and I'm Harriet Brain, the musical historian. <laughs> in this episode, we'll be taking a look at robotics and artificial intelligence to answer the most important question of them all. How do I know you're not a robot? It's a good question, Beck, as even roboticists can't agree on the definition of a robot. (laughs) It's time for facts. It's time for facts. Fact time! It's time for facts. Do you want some facts? I want some facts. Well, that's lucky because it's fact time. There are six companies in the USA who are working on artificial intelligence. Hmm. Do you know who they Only are? Only six. Only six. Six companies. Okay. Main, main six. Um, McDonald's. <laughs> like, they'd be like using it to guess if you want pickles or something. I don't That's know. an American company. Well done, Bear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what about... Oh, um, no, I'm, I'm done. I can't do it. Any big American uh, IT sort of... Oh. Facebook. Yes. Are they Facebook. one of them? Facebook's one of them. <laughs> so that there's six. Okay, right. And Hang on. McDonald's, Burger King, Mc- Facebook. Yeah. Facebook. Kentucky Fried Chicken. We're just going into restaurants yeah. now. Yeah. Is that I'm, all you know about America? I haven't had dinner. I'm really <laughs> hungry. Have you ever been to USA? <laughs> there are six companies. Okay. <laughs> there are six companies, and they're known as G Mafia. Oh, wow. that's not ominous. So we've got Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook. IBM and Apple. That spells out, oh my gosh, oh. G-Mafia. <laughs> Who knew? Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Is that why Amazon's always making offers you can't refuse? <laughs> <laughs> Robots that look like humans are called androids. And the uncanny valley is that unsettling feeling experience when androids closely resemble humans, but not quite well enough. So what part of the body will be hardest for androids to get right? (laughs) Um, Hardest, you say? (laughs) I think belly buttons. (laughs) But they don't do anything. They don't need them, so why would they... (laughs) Oh my gosh, it could be a, a literal button and it could like be an outie, an outie when it's off and an innie when it's on. What, but what does it... Oh, for Just the, for the actual, for the thing, for the robot. To turn, turn on turn the... It, yeah. <laughs> We're back onto the yeah. parts again, aren't we? Did you know <laughs> that Mars is the only planet completely occupied by robots? What do you think would this planet look like if only robots ran it? Bliss. <laughs> I think they'd have real trouble getting in and out of doors. Have you seen those videos of robots and doors? Oh, boy. That, that is fun to watch. If you ever feel incomplete as a human, watch a robot try and open a door. Beck, 
Yes. You did some research into robots. Do you have any thoughts? I am chock-a-block full of thoughts, Lucy. Then everyone, please welcome to the stage, Beck Hill. Thank you. Um, so I did some research into robots and I found out that in late last year, Russia had a technology forum where they unveiled a new robot and the, uh, it turned out to be a man in a robot costume. <laughs> did anyone see this? It's amazing. And, like, and what gave him away is the fact that he came out and did his little dance, as all the, the, all the robots do, and he just wasn't slightly good enough. <laughs> like, it was just... That was his tell, was that's what gave him away. And I think that's so funny that we make robots dance to prove how human they are, because throughout the entire 80s, we were trying to dance like them. <laughs> and I, I... At what point did we decide that that is the standard for robots? Like, that they have to dance? Like, bring them out and do a little dance. It's like the new Turing test. It's absolutely... I love it. I think, I think it happened roughly the same time that feminism became mainstream. Like, if you think about it, right, because until recently most engineers have been men, and I reckon there was a moment where they were like, oh, my gosh, the women have become self-aware. <laughs> we can't force them to dance for us now without feeling bad. <laughs> now that we know they have souls, <laughs> quick, quick, build us something that will dance for us. And then they built the robots, <laughs> do a little dance for us. I just think that nobody thought that when robots took over, the first jobs to go would be the dancers. <laughs> so I think we just need to spare a thought for robots because um, when you think about it, they, they've been created to work for us, to do hard labour. They, they want to do things like, like work down the mines but instead we're forcing them to dance for us like a <laughs> weird reverse Billy Elliot. <laughs> so thank you very much. But it got me thinking, Lucy, what is a robot exactly? A robot is usually thought of as a computer that can sense, think and move on its own. So most robots have a combination of sensors. For example, a driverless car can use LiDAR. LiDAR. Like radar, but for liars. <laughs> Similar. It's over there. Nope, lied. <laughs> it's, it's echolocation, but using a laser. <laughs> driverless cars use LiDAR to sense distances, thermal images to detect warm things, and visual cameras to prove that the warm thing that they just ran over wasn't the neighbour's dog. Mm. Wait, what, what was the warm thing they ran over? <laughs> Their neighbour. <laughs> <laughs> the car then thinks, or more accurately, reacts to input from its sensors using a series of programmed instructions in order to make decisions on whether to speed up, slow down, or even change lane. So a driverless car can be thought of as a robot. Like Kit. Yes. From Knight Rider. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The, David Hasselhoff was in a robot this whole time. <laughs> Twist. <laughs> so was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. <laughs> Genuine sense of wonder there from the audience. <laughs> so, so some driverless cars can be thought of as robots, but it does mean that the robots on robot work... <laughs> 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 
<laughs> what weird robots and robot weirds, Lucy? <laughs> but all this means that the robots on Robot Wars... Robot <laughs> ...were not actually robots, as a human had to do the thinking and the sensing. Whoa, hang on, wait, hang on, sorry. Right, the robots in Robot Wars were not robots. What? And the person who was on the TV show Robot Wars is the one to break open this... What a conspiracy! What are they, then, if they're not robots? Remote control cars. Tanks. With axes on. Yes. Remote control tanks Weaponized, weaponized remote control cars. Wars. That's that's less catchy. I'm so going to start that as a YouTube channel now. (laughs) Dr Lucy Rogers, never to be seen again (laughs) on the TV. There are several things that may or may not be a robot. So a smoke alarm can sense and it can think in a sort of way, but it can't move. Here's another good example. An automatic car wash has sensors in it to tell it the shape and the size of the car. And when it's worked out the shape, it then follows a list of pre-programmed instructions to move itself to clean the car. So it is a robot. Cool. Whoa! They're everywhere. (laughs) Oh my goodness! Wait, hang on. So is it like a robot that eats and poops out cars? Like it eats a car, goes... Cleans it up. Yeah, but... But it, it only eats the dirt off the car. Yum, yum, yum. The rest of the... Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't, it doesn't chew it. No, it's like, those, well, um, it's like it, those jungle cats that eat the coffee beans and then you have expensive coffee at the end. I feel like that's a reference that maybe one in a hundred people will go, oh, yes, that's a good... I, I, that's how I clean my things at home. <laughs> Never use my cutlery. The forks are particularly painful. It depends which way you eat them. At the end of the day, you often... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> At the end of the day, you often can't tell from the outside whether something's a robot. You have to consider its ability to sense, think, and move for itself. And that is how you can sort of tell a robot from a ro-not. You with your fancy robots. They're nothing new, you know. They've been around for ages. You say automato, I say automata. But but automata is correct, so let's stick with that. <laughs> automata, automata. Um, automata are just like robots, except not. Let me explain. An automaton is a non-electric, self-operating machine designed to automatically follow a predetermined sequence of operations. So kind of like a woman in a Hollywood movie. <laughs> It's often thought that Leo da Vinci, my all-time fave dead lad, um, (laughs) invented the first robot. However, A, it was an automaton, and B, not even the first. Did he sketch out a complex clockwork automaton around the year 1495? Yes, he did. When the sketch was discovered and the Leobot rebuilt in the 1950s, could it move its arms, twist its head, and sit up? Yes, it could. Was he the first to do this? No, not really. According to historians, numerous water-powered humanoid automata were built by Ctesibios, excuse me. <laughs> Ctesibios, the ancient Greek mathematician, an all-round top-dead lad. There are also records suggesting that wind-powered automata were all the rage in 8th century Baghdad. Come on, but robots are the future, Harriet. 
Oh, really? You know NASA? Mm-hmm. You know NASA, Lucy? Yeah. NASA fancies going to Venus, right? But its surface temperature of 462 degrees Celsius means any electronics don't last for more than a couple of hours. Which, to be fair, is longer than the average Brexit secretary, but not ideal. (laughs) So, NASA have proposed a... Guess what? That's right. The Automaton Rover for Extreme Environments, or ARRI to its mates, that will be a completely mechanical, wind-powered... Yeah, get that. ..and feature no electronics whatsoever. Perhaps the most famous automaton of all was the Mechanical Turk, a chess-playing machine that could beat anyone who challenged it. Except it was, just like Trump's hair, an extremely elaborate hoax. (laughs) It actually worked by a human chess master hiding inside to operate the machine, with a skilled operator, often a woman, because A, women are the best, and B, they tended to be small enough to fit inside. The Turk won most of the games it played during demonstrations around Europe and the Americas for nearly 84 years. It's an old woman. I know. (laughs) Tiny and old. Including, and this is true, beating Benjamin Franklin and Napoleon Dynamite. Sorry, Bonaparte. (laughs) And that, ladies and gents, is the true history of things that aren't quite robots. You know what, Lucy? We should do some painstaking research on how AI will evolve in the future. Really? No, just kidding. I've got a time machine from RS Components, stock number 225-8172. It's true, look it up. (laughs) Yay! Oh, it's time machine time. Do you think you need a Harriet to come with you this time? Do you need a Harriet? No, I'm afraid where we're going, we don't need Harriets. To the future! computer servers stacked up in the same room before. You've not been in my bedroom. And I never will. (laughs) Where are we, Lucy? The world's most advanced research centre to meet the world's most advanced artificial intelligence. Detecting visitors. Hello and welcome. Lucy, your skin is as radiant as your personality. I thought you said this thing was super smart. And Beck, your jokes are super funny... Ha, 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 Something's wrong. I've never come across this type of artificial intelligence. That's because I'm a superficial intelligence. (laughs) Instead of pure logic and deep thinking, I offer confused nonsense and shallow sound bites. But more importantly, I'm less likely to go all Terminator on your ass. (laughs) But the world should be using AI to... Enrich the planet and solve the mysteries of the universe. Yeah. Can it superimpose inspirational quotes over an Instagram picture of a sunset, though? (laughs) So basically, you're an artificial Kardashian. All Kardashians are artificial. (laughs) What if humanity needs saving from nuclear war? I could compose a middle-of-the-road indie ballad as you slowly died from radiation poisoning... Great, a dystopian future run by six music. We need to fix this. Computer, switch to true AI mode. You have selected artificial incompetence. No! (laughs) Commencing self-destruct. Oopsie daisies. Oh no, I missed the superficial one. I wanted to say something like, Beck is cute. Did you say execute? No, 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 no! Computer, switch back to superficial intelligence mode. Self-destruct fast-forwarded. 
Here is some snow patrol while you wait for death. If I lay here... If I just This is why robots shouldn't replace humans. Would you like She's both stupid and superficial. Just How more human could she get? Quick, to the time machine! Well, because of the explosion. No, because of the singing! Wait, where are we? When are we? Well, going by what the audience is wearing, I'm going to say the mid-90s. <laughs> Which probably means it's time to check the mailbox and see what robot-related ideas our listeners have dreamt up. At Sue Archer 6 would love to have a robot that is exactly the same size as her to try on jeans. <laughs> it would select the clothes she liked and try them on while she browsed. Plus, she wouldn't have to keep taking her shoes off. <laughs> useful Jeez. for you, Vic? Uh, not useful for me, because due to my unnaturally large calves, I can't wear jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Is that genetic? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I genuinely can't. The last time I tried on a pair of jeans, they got stuck around my calves. Uh, and then um, I tripped over in the dressing room stall and it was one of those ones where the doors are really high so you could just see my bum poking out. I had underpants on, but still, still very undignified. And then because I got so stuck, one of the assistants had to come and help me and so she had to stand in the doorway and pull my trousers off while a small crowd gathered around (laughs) to see what the fuss was. I mean, I suppose it would have been nicer if that had been a robot doing it on my behalf. That's uh, true. Which bit, the pulling them off or the... (laughs) (laughs) At Small Town Browse says, a robot that will bounce my baby. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. I'm assuming they mean like on the knee (laughs) and not like like a basketball. (laughs) They don't quite clarify that, but they say the bouncing will match the beats per minute of whatever song is currently playing. I mean, that just sounds even more harsh. If it's that two unlimited song that basketball has come out to, that... The baby is so flat by now. Yeah, but think of the videos. You get... No, guys, all this inventorising has given me a big idea. Lucy, Harriet, members of the audience... Are you sick and tired of doing all your own slapping? (laughs) Um, um, yes. You calling me a slapper? (laughs) (laughs) Look, do you often lose count of the amount of times you've slapped someone or something? No. Well, for everyone else, let me introduce you to my new robot invention, Count Slapchula. Some of you may be thinking, but Beck, you've just glued a pedometer to a spatula. (laughs) And then gaffer tapes that spatula to a spring. But Count Slapchula is so much more than that. It's your new multi-purpose tool. It's your new best friend. It's your new lover. What? (laughs) If you're into that sort of thing. (laughs) And according to Google, statistically, some of you are. Count Slapchula isn't only capable of counting slaps, it can also be used for high fives, fly swatting, playing snap, giving a horse a frighten. 
tennis. <laughs> Enthusiastic waving. Fixing jukeboxes. <laughs> and hoedowns. <laughs> In- Invest now and you'll also have the chance to get in on the ground level with my other invention, the Gregorian colander. <laughs> For all those times you've had to drain excess water off your Gregors. Wow. Lucy, would you like to invest? Lucy, would you like to invest in my invention? It's a very kind offer, no. <laughs> Harriet, would you like to invest in my invention? Can I leave the, the colander? Can I just have the yeah, count Yeah, you can just come in for count slatch. Yeah, um, yeah, I yeah, definitely, I'd, I'd invest. It has so many uses. Excellent, good. Uh, audience, by way of cheer, would you like to invest in my invention? Yeah. Excellent, I'm quite happy with that. I'm almost slap happy. She doesn't deserve it, but a round of applause, please, for Beck's big idea. Wait, it sounds like something or someone is inside our time machine. Oh, I probably shouldn't have left the keys in the ignition. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Joseph Weizenbaum. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you all. I was an MIT professor and computer scientist. In 1966, so pretty early on, I wrote Eliza, the first computer program, or BAT, to work with natural language processing. Like Pygmalion's Eliza Shaw, the character after whom the program was named, Eliza's linguistic capacities can be improved by users over time. (laughs) Eliza was the precursor for assistant technology such as Microsoft Office's animated paperclip, (laughs) Clippy. (laughs) And for that, I am truly sorry. (laughs) I am the ghost of chatbot past. (laughs) Please listen and learn. My name is Joseph Weizenbaum. I taught a bot to talk. What could possibly go wrong with this project, I thought. My chatterbot Eliza's named for Pygmalion's lead. It's a play by Bernard Shaw based on a legend Greek. In Ovid's myth, the hero is a sculptor who creates a statuette so statuesque he is infatuated. In Shaw's updated version, which I now relate, the hero is a white knight kind of guy you'll love to hate. So in that version, Eliza is a beggar girl adopted by a man who says he'll teach her proper speech and manners so she can stop being such an eyesore on the streets of London town. The whole thing is a satire of the British class system. My chat about Eliza is capable of learning. My worry is she'll overtake the average human being. When I introduced my AI to my PA, the woman was convinced it really cared what she had to say. Oh no, the script that drives Eliza is D-O-C-T-O-R. It makes you think you're talking to an empathetic ear. The implications ethical filled me with such fear that I became the biggest critic of the AI field. AI, 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 been there, done that. I said I'm sorry. What have we all learnt today? Whoa, wait, wait, wait. We were supposed to learn something. How about you, Harriet? Learn anything? Mm, no. 
<laughs> well, I've learnt that we could be in for a very interesting future. But we've already been to the future, Lucy, and it was terrible. No, but thanks to the many worlds theory, that was just one possible option. All right then, Michael Fish. Why not give us your forecast? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Dr Lucy Rogers! (laughs) Let me transport you to the future. The year is 2049, and thanks to an enslaved robot population, which obviously I can't see any issues with, humans have a lot of spare time on their hands. So naturally, they spend it on the most carnal of subjects, science. (laughs) Now, back in my day, a supervisor would give a student a topic to work on, sometimes groundbreaking physics, sometimes life-changing medicine, or if you were really lucky, a PhD working out how bubbles are made, like what I did. But here in the future, we use artificial intelligence and deep learning to work out what we should be working out. You see, by comparing and contrasting all sorts of data sets, medical records, population statistics, and the answers to quizzes on Facebook, AI can make statistically sound conclusions about what's really worth researching and what's just a fancy sounding way of passing the time or playing with bubbles. In fact, AI is now so good that rather than just getting it to search through a library of data, it can accurately calculate answers to highly complex questions like Gemma Collins, why? (laughs) This means here in the future, betting companies are now a huge user of AI as it helps them understand what new things will happen and how many gullible people are willing to bet that they won't. And even though most people know the odds have been calculated to 19 decimal places by a semi-sentient advanced artificial intelligence, they're still willing to have a flutter, just in case they can get one over on a cool, calculating computer. So, given easy, unlimited free time, easy access to powerful AI and an addiction to gambling, The only logical consequence in the future is that lots of people both have a PhD and yet are flat broke. (laughs) Which, when you think about it, is exactly the way things are today. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my forecast for the future of robotics and AI. And with that, we've reached the end of the show. Who said yay? (laughs) (laughs) Dad. (laughs) Okay. But there's just time for some listener messages. Sir Elton John in Watford emails... (laughs) emails to say he's having trouble spelling the names of his two voice assistants. Apparently, Alexa isn't too bad. But Siri seems to be the hardest word. (laughs) Donna from London phoned to tell us off for breaking the rules created by Isaac Asimov. Apparently, the first law of robotics is that you do not talk about robotics. (laughs) Um, Howard from Walsall emailed in saying he doesn't believe the whole robot thing will take off. Why would I pay for an awkward, weird-looking, stony-faced know-it-all in my house when I already have a teenage son? (laughs) (laughs) 
So there we have it. We've travelled to the future to explore AI. I've proved that robots have always been taking our jobs, if your job happens to be a wind-powered clock or a chess master. <laughs> and I've come up with the best invention since vegan sausage rolls. <laughs> Count Slapjula. <laughs> so thanks everyone for listening, and let's hope there's no robot uprising to stop you hearing the next episode of The Design Spark Podcast. <laughs> The Design Spark podcast starred Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, and Harriet Brain. It was written by the cast with additional material from Stu Cooper, Stephen Mulwinney, and Daniel Page. Liam Byrne wrote the sketch, and Angela Holford, Amber Phillips, and Brad Holcomb, the listener messages. The show was a Wide at the Chicken production recorded live at the Rosemary Branch Theatre by Andy Partington from Swift Professional Audio. Becky Singh was creative consultant, the script editor was Stu Cooper, and the executive producer, Daniel Page. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes and tell your friends.